If you'll turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be start with verse 4. One of the problems with um, limited time to present the, the scriptures is that you have to take breaks. And we have this tendency because the scriptures now are divided into chapters and verses that uh, somehow that we can make these artificial divisions. Well, today is one of those times where today's message that comes from Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 4, falls back on Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And in that, it talked about that we are, because of all the witnesses that came before on following the Lord in faith, that we too are to follow the Lord in faith and that we are to run our race and we're to run it by laying aside all sin and encumbrances and focusing and keeping our eyes on Jesus and that we are to, to do that. And that we are then reminded that Jesus in his earthly ministry endured uh, hostility by sinners uh, and that we are to remind ourselves of that and as the verse three before said, so that we might not grow weary and lose heart. So if you will, misery loves company. Well, Jesus suffered and therefore we are in good company. And so we remind that. And so as a part of this not growing weary and, and losing heart, in verse four, he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. So he goes, you think you have it hard. You think you've done a great job. But he goes, but even you believers have not suffered to the point where you're shedding blood. And, and Jesus, as we recall, shed blood not only when he prayed in the garden and sweat drops like blood, he also bled from the crown of thorns and from his hands and from his feet and from his side and how he suffered for us. And that he did that because of our sin. And so it says, we haven't yet done this. So you might think that you're growing tired. You might think you're growing weary, but you haven't suffered all that much in comparison. So he says, we are to, if you will, resist sin to the point of shedding blood. Now, the problem is most of us uh, resist sin until we don't. And then we figure God is merciful and forgive us and everything's wonderful. And then we get back on. But the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, no, we are to resist sin because as Paul says, we are dead to sin. We are no longer to be considered those types of things. And so we are, even though we are saved by grace and even though our sin isn't accounted to us because we are believers we are still to resist against sin and evil. So he says, you haven't done that yet. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. I want to stop there before I go on because he's going to talk about a father and the father's existence. All too often, our initial view of God is how our view of our father was. If our father was 
mean and and uh, couldn't wait to just punish us, then God is that kind of person who's just mean and can't, and at any slip up, he's just waiting to get the belt and, and beat you. Or if your father was kind of gone either because of divorce or he thought of other things as more important, that he, your father is kind of distant. But that's neither concept of God. And as we learn of him, we learn that he is nothing like our earthly fathers, even if we had great earthly fathers, because he's much, much better. So he, he tells us, not only have you not resisted sin to the point of shedding of blood, you have forgotten the exhortation, the encouragement, the the this the emphasis that was given to you as children of God. And oftentimes we are very proud, and we ought to be, that we are considered children of God. But there in that being a child of God calls for our certain responsibilities. So he says, you have forgotten the exhortation which addressed you as son. And it says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. One of the problems, again, when we read this, is when we think of discipline, we automatically think of punishment. That is not what the writer here is talking about. The writer here is talking about correction, not punishment. Our father is attempting to correct our lives in such a way. And so, if you will, discipline is to train or fix an incorrect behavior or uh, create a better skill. You see, God is here and doing these things as a father to get us to have this better life, this eternal life. But we have a tendency to look at God like we did our parents. Our parents didn't want us to have fun. So that's why they always told us we had to come in by 10 o'clock and we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. They just didn't want us to have fun. And God, like a parent, doesn't want you to have fun. And that is not what God is doing. God is disciplining us so that we might have correct behavior, that we might have a proper skill, a good skill. If you will, God sets up a type of uh, guardrails. Now, the problem with guardrails is oftentimes we think guardrails help us to stay on the road. They don't. If guardrails helped us to stay on the road, our driving would be like bumper cars. You'd hit a guardrail and you hit another guardrail and hit another guardrail because it's helping you to stay on the road. That's not the point of a guardrail. The point of a guardrail is to prevent you from falling off into a greater problem. So, for instance, if you're driving in the mountains and you're going through the twists and turns, you'll notice that the guardrails are not on the side of the mountain where there's a mountain. It's on the side where there's a valley. Because it's, they're not worried about you driving on the road. They don't want you to fall off into the ravine. The next time you drive over an overpass of the freeway, you'll notice there are concrete walls. 
The purpose for the concrete walls is not for you to drive over the bridge, but to keep you from falling off the bridge, hurting yourself and the other oncoming traffic. Similarly, God has set up guardrails for us, not so that we might be bumper cars, but so that we might develop the skill to drive, to move properly, that we might do it so. And so God is disciplining us to do this. My father was 65 when I was born, so he's an older person. My brother was 15 years older than me. And um, they tell me, I don't remember, that my father never punished me. As a matter of fact, one of the, the stories was, was when I was around three or four, they were painting the shingles on our house with this very dark green paint. I remember that because I remember the shingles on our roof. And so being a child of three or four who wanted to help, I painted our bathtub, sink, and refrigerator. My dad thought that was funny. So we waited for my mom to get home to show her what I had done. I guess many other people would probably spank me or whatever, but he thought it was funny. My brother would always say that we were raised by different parents. And I said, no, no, I was just a better child. So I wasn't required to have the punishment that you did because I didn't need it. But so God's saying is here is that he's disciplining us, but he does so lovingly. He doesn't do so because he's angry at us. He does it because he wants us to have a better life, a more secure life. Not that he doesn't want us to have. As a matter of fact, many of the things that we think are fun end up costing us dearly. So he says, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Consider it. Now, again, we have this tendency when something happens, especially when something happens, when something happens good, we just say, great, something great happened. When something bad happens, it's like, well, how come God's punished me? Or how come this bad thing happens to me? We forget that the scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust. Notice it says it rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't say it rains on the bad and the good. Because there's no one good but God. So if you're wanting to be praised for your goodness, and, but he says it rains on the... So good things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people, and bad things happen to bad people. It just happens. If there's an earthquake in the next 15 minutes, it's not that God's mad at us. He set nature as it is. We just probably shouldn't build on earthquakes. But that's what we do. Or we, we build next to the ocean, and then the ocean eats away at the coast, and we wonder how come God's angry. And now you just didn't build where you should build. But if God is correcting you, then you should know it. He doesn't just correct you without your understanding why he's doing so. He's doing it so that we might have proper behavior, that we might do good. Not that good is salvation. Faith is salvation. Good is what he expects of his children. I expect a whole lot more of my children and grandchildren than I do of yours. Because they're mine. 
They're better than everybody else. My ex, that's my expectation is that my children and grandchildren are better than everybody else. And so if they don't live up to that expectation, I'm disappointed, but I'm also looking at what it could have I have done to allow them to have acted in an appropriate way. So when God disciplines us, he's trying to give us not just correcting bad behavior, if will, but he's also trying to give us a skill that we might be able to use that skill, that we might not grow weary and lose heart. So we are to not consider lightly his discipline. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he received. God loves those who he's disciplining. And again, remove from your mind the sense of punishment, but the sense of correction, of teaching a new skill that you might be able to endure. You see, using the analogy of the race, if we are to run a marathon, then... I need to be training for a marathon, which means I need to have the discipline to make my body such that it will endure a marathon. So God is giving us those skills and those disciplines in order for us to do what he has called us to do. And he does so in love. One of the classic things is when a, when a parent says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And and you never believe it because you don't see the connection. But if you're the parent, sometimes it's, it's very true that because you wish you didn't have to discipline. And a lot of parents don't. They just want to be a good friend. They just, they don't want you to get upset. So they'll let you do whatever you want to do. Scripture says that's not loving. In essence, a parent's more concerned about your attitude toward them than their responsibility to you. And God loves you when he disciplines you. So when he loves you and disciplines you, then that discipline is going to be appropriate to the situation. So much so says, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now that sounds really tough. And I'm not, but sometimes. I used to, to semi-joke about my son. I said, my son's the type of kid, do I have to take a two-by-four and hit him across the head to get his attention? And then I can talk to him. You know, some children are different than other children. He also was a little different because um, many, many, many uh, decades ago, we were at church and we were living in Riverside and he had done something that he needed to be Corrected for, and in those barbaric days, we would actually spank children. And so um, it wasn't appropriate for me to spank him at church. And so I said, and this was like sometime during the daytime, uh, when we get home, I'm going to have to spank you. And so back in those days, we had church in the morning, and then there was uh, my wife did a some choir practice and some other things. And we had training union and we had church at night. And then we would be driving back home 
And while we're driving back home at night, he goes, Dad, don't forget that you were supposed to spank me. Now, most kids would have just, Dad probably forgot, and I did. But he reminded me, and I had to do what I had said I would do, because otherwise you couldn't trust what I said. But it was like, but again, there's that sense, if you will, sometimes a child needs that correction to know that you are loving. There was a school one time that saw the kids out on the playground. And they had a chain link fence around the playground. And they noticed all the kids were pushing up against the fence. And so some bright psychologist says, well, that's limiting their, their views of things. And so we should remove the fence so that they have this feeling that they can do whatever they want. So they remove the fence. Guess where the kids played? Right in the center of the thing. Because they didn't know what the boundaries were. God sets guardrails. God sets boundaries so that you know he loves you and is looking out for you and wants to protect you. So he keeps you in that place because you know exactly where the boundaries are. Because he loves you. Verse 7, it is for dis discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline. And even in our earthly, our earthly fathers will discipline us so that we might be, have correct behavior, that we might grow up to be good people, to have valuable skills. And so a father will do that. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The writer here says, if God doesn't discipline you, the nice word is illegitimate, you know the other word. You're not real. You're not his child. In the course of, of oftentimes the counseling and a, a married person will come in and, and talk about how their husband or wife have gotten off this way and, and, and do whatever. And they'll say, but their spouse is, is a believer, but they're not acting like that. And my, my statement always was, well, if they're a child of God, they're in trouble. Because God will discipline. And if they're not a child of God, they're in more trouble because they're not a child of God. So the scriptures here are saying, when you are disciplined, not only don't take it lightly, but it confirms exactly who you are. You're his child. He loves you. He cares about you. And again, using going back to my children, I don't discipline other people's kids. Their problem. They grow up to be brats. They grow up to be brats. I don't have to hang around. But I loved my children. And make sure. Now, unfortunately, as a grandparent, those things change a little. I have a whole lot more tolerance for the grandkids than for the children. Then again, not my responsibility. My responsibility is just love them. To understand that my grandchildren have a common enemy 
with me, their parents. And so it's okay. I, but, but again, there's that sense of, but if my grandchildren were Hellions, then I might step in. Or at least say something to the dad and mom by saying, you know, your kids are just going a little bananas. But that's kind of how God is loving you in such a way that he'll say, you know, you shouldn't do that. You know, you shouldn't do that. You know, you, you shouldn't do that. My mother had a unique way of, of disciplining. First off, she would give me the look, which would told me that you're not behaving properly. That's kind of like sometimes how God does. God go, will give us the look. You'll know it in your soul. It didn't do right. Gives you the look. But then if the look doesn't, then she makes the next statement. The place where I was always received corporal punishment was the bathroom. So her next statement was, do I need to take you to the bathroom? And again, to tell a story, I, we went to my grandmother's house every year when I was probably three or four. They said, I went all over grandmother's house and could not find a bathroom. My mother, grandmother didn't house didn't have a bathroom. She had an outhouse. Matter of fact, she had a, what we call a two-holer, which I always thought was strange because why would you want to do that business with somebody else? But you know, anyway, well, I guess with 12 kids, you you had to. So anyway, I looked all over the house and I went to my mom and said, You can't spank me. She goes, Why not? I said, because grandma doesn't have a bathroom. So he took me by the hand and took me to the outhouse. Here's grandma's bathroom. They said, my countenance fell. God will find a bathroom if you need correction. For they, well, let me go. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them, and shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. So he's saying, our earthly fathers, our earthly parents did what, and they did the best they could under the situation they had. Sometimes how they learned was to be beaten and some, you know, and, and whatever. They, they did what was, seemed right to them. But they did it generally because they loved us. And we respected that. He said, how much more could God was perfect, who knows every hair on your head when you rise and when you sit. He knows the intentions of your heart. How can he not properly discipline? He does so in love. He does so for your good. Notice he disciplines us for our good. He doesn't discipline us because he's God. He disciplines us so that we might be good. 
that we might share his holiness, his separate, who he is. He's disciplining us so that we might be like children of God. And then he makes a very definite statement. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. I don't care what discipline you, whether it's corporal punishment or your parent says I'm disappointed or you're on restriction or whatever it is, you're not happy about it. Again, sharing my, my, my son one time uh, went with a bunch of church kids. And they were supposed to go to a certain place, and they ended up not going to that place. They went to a different place. And so when they got home, I found out about it. And I, mom and I told him that um, he was on restriction from going out with the church kids for a month. And he thought that was really unfair. And, and his response was, but I was with church kids. I go, yeah, church kids will get you in more trouble than anybody else. Because I was a church kid. Okay, I know. But he didn't like it. And quite frankly, sometimes parents don't like it. Because if we put you on restriction, guess what? We got to deal with you. Brothers, go play with your, you know, go play outside, run on the freeway, do whatever. But when we punish, we're, we're the ones who are usually in jail as well. So when we receive this earthly punishment, this earthly discipline, we don't like it. And when God disciplines us for our own good, we don't like it either. And like I said, it doesn't even have to be strong. It can simply be somebody sitting down and saying, I'm disappointed. You, you acted inappropriately. That hurts. Sometimes the talk is more hurtful than just go ahead and spank you. So all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it. Notice again, the point isn't punishment. The point is to make you correct in your actions and giving you a skill to function who've been trained by it afterwards, yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You see, God does it, not, again, not to punish us, but to make us righteous, to make us holy, to make us good. He has a plan. It isn't ad hoc. He does so not because he's simply God. He does so because as a loving parent, as a loving father, that's what Loving fathers do. So, the next time you find yourself with difficulty, one you got to ask. Is it just something that happens because it rains on the just, the unjust? Or is it because God is trying to get my attention so that I don't go off the guard? And if it is because God is trying to train us, to discipline us, to keep us from hitting the guardrail, 
then we should say, yes, Lord, I receive it. I do so because I know you love. We love to say, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting. We don't like to say so much, for God so loved us that he disciplines us. But that's exactly what he does, because he's a good, 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 good father. And he loves you. He wants what's best for you. And all God's people said.